Oh, damn it. <laughs> I did not mean to play that right away. <laughs> well, that, uh, that, that sort of sums it up. That's Geeks with Kids. Have a good night, guys. Hey. No, <laughs> welcome to Geeks with Kids, the sometimes bi-weekly podcast. Um, in the process of going straight to GWK so that we can include our non-kids friends in the in this title. Oh, are, we, are, we, are we going KFC? We're going KFC, man. Can I point something out really quick to everybody? Yeah. That technically, since we were supposed to record last week and now we're doing it this week again, um, we're actually not even supposed to be here today. We're not even supposed to mm. be here. You're not even supposed to be here today. Oh, that's that's a that's a very timely quote because we're talking about Clerks, the trilogy, because Clerks 3 just came out on um, VOD on, you know on rental so you know we had the chance to all watch it i saw it in theaters i think brent got to see it in theaters as well yes you got to go to a big fancy do about it no it wasn't a fancy do they all cineplex had uh had events because it wasn't a regularly screening movie i so i would have liked to have done that andrew and i went to uh we went to the red state premiere in toronto oh yeah and we we sat right behind him through the whole movie like we were i think a row behind him the the Uh, which was pretty fucking cool just throwing popcorn the whole time right (laughs) what are you doing to our emotional state i i i wish we wanted to go up and talk to him afterwards but as soon as the event was over he just he booked it out of there but like andrew ended up having like a 20 minute conversation with his assistant i think what was her name megan at the time i think megan yeah, he chatted with her for like 20 minutes afterwards. The last time I saw Kevin Smith live was in Brantford, and it was one of the last times he did the Wayne Gretzky, um, the the tournament. Not the, not the mm-hmm. Wayne Gretzky, the Walter Gretzky. Walter tournament. Gretzky. Walter Gretzky. Um, oh. And um, I, saw, I saw a show, and I ended up talking to the only Asian guy there I saw. And I was like... I was like, this guy's really Ming? nice. It was Ming. <laughs> I was like, I was like, where the fuck is there an Asian guy in Brantford right now? Um, so it was nice. It was it was really like he hadn't really joined Tell Him Steve Dave yet. So uh, it was just uh, the other three guys. Um, and Ming was sort of about behind the scenes. You'd occasionally hear him. So uh, I didn't realize it was him. Also, speaking of Ming, it was awesome seeing him in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. So we're yeah. talking about Clerks 3 and then the whole Clerks trilogy, really how we got into... Um, Kevin Smith movies in general. So, oh, hello, Vocal Tomes. Welcome to our chat. Um, hey, Brittany. Yeah. In, in Ming, Ming we, we trust. trust indeed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like we do every week, we're going to talk about what, what we're liking right now. What's our yum? What's our yum, guys? Let's start with Brent. I know you have two. Why don't you start with one and we'll go back over to you at the second. Okay. Half. Well, no, I'll just, I'll, one of them I'm just going to talk about like really, really briefly. It's cool. a, it's a game that I just started playing last night um, called The Darkest Tales. Um, I streamed it for a couple hours. I fucking fell in love with it. You play a teddy bear who is brought to life to help uh, save the girl who you are. Uh, you are her favorite toy and you're brought to life to help save her out of her nightmare world. But her nightmare world consists of nightmarish versions of classic fairy tales. So in the first like the first level of the game, you're fighting against Little Red Riding Hood as she's trying to slaughter all the wolves, and then you go off Ooh. to fight Jack and the Beanstalk, and then it's Peter Pan and Neverland, and it's just this really like crazy transcendence of like just destroying fairy tales in a violent matter. And it's What's so the game much called again? Uh, Darkest Tales. Darkest Tales came out early access last December. The full version just released last week. So. And wow. it's it's very beautiful game. It looks exactly like Ori in the, uh, the Ori series. Like it's shot nice. very similar to that. So I was going to ask if it was if it had a similar feel to the Alice games. 
It's yeah, I've never played the Alice games. Oh. It all I say is like the feel is it's very Ori. It's very mystical, very colorful, whimsical. Like it looks gorgeous. Like the, the yeah. screenshots I'm looking at right now. Um, what's the price on it? Do you recall? I I think it was just under or around twenty bucks. I think I paid twenty oh, bucks or something. That, on that's Steam. well worth a an Ori type yeah. game. Fuck, I'll get it. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you have it on. PC, not on or on. Yeah, so I got it through Steam. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was on. I believe it's only available on Steam. So all right, well, oh, uh, it says it's also coming to Nintendo Switch. So it it definitely feels like a Switch game, hundred percent. Awesome, awesome. All right, since we're talking about the Switch, anyway, let's go over to to shows. Okay, yeah. Um, so (laughs) I, (laughs) I am ready. So um, I've been playing a lot of uh, Fire Emblem uh, in the last little bit. Um, I picked up a copy of Fire Emblem Three Houses back in 2019, and it kind of just sat in the case for a while. I played it a little bit, and then I put it away. Um, over the last couple of weeks, I played all the way through uh, one of the storylines. Uh, there are three different storylines in that game. I had a blast with it. The voice acting was incredible, and um, just it, it's it's that kind of tactics gameplay that you you know you would get from like a uh, you know, the like tactics ogre or like uh, advanced wars and, and th- those styles of games, right? It's like um, Fire Emblem goes all the way back to was it was it the NES or was it yes. SNES? Let's I say can't NES. It, goes, yeah. it, go, it goes all the way back, but um, I'm so been, uneducated on that series. The only thing I know about Fire Emblem is that's where that Jared Little looking guy from all the Smash Brothers games is from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, there's a whole bunch of Smash Bros. Uh, Fire Emblem characters and the and um, I'm it every game has its own like unique set of characters so um if you do see one fire emblem character in in something it might be from any one of the games that have, have appeared up to this point but there's gonna be a new game coming out in january that i'm excited about uh called fire emblem engage which i think should be pretty oh, cool to play the marriage and, one where they all get you know it's a dating sim you're like it's a dating sim. engage <laughs> actually um you're, you're not patrick too, stewart you're... one <laughs> engage <laughs> Engage. <laughs> you're, you're not too far off on the dating sim part because um, between missions, you are trying to like build up uh, uh, support points between characters, and mm. at the end of the game, you can actually marry a character. It's and, like Persona. Uh, yeah, kind of like kind of like that. Um, and I've, I've also started playing uh, Fire Emblem uh, Warriors, which is kind of like a uh, like Dynasty Hyrule Warriors, Warriors, like like Hyrule Hyrule Warriors. You know mm. those those uh, those games. So they they took the 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 characters and the the storyline from uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses, and they made a Warriors game called Fire Emblem Three Hopes, which is is pretty cool. I've been getting into that one too. Uh, me and my son can play that together, split screen, just run around and kill things, and mm-hmm. and uh, having a blast with that as well. So uh, nice to get hooked on a franchise that you haven't that you, it's been around for a while, but you really haven't gotten into. Mm-hmm. So having some fun with that. Nice, nice. Um, the first one was in 1990 and on the NES, so we were correct in nice. our assumption. It was All called right. Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light. I love it. You know, <laughs> they, awesome. they love those long, long <laughs> ass uh, <laughs> titles. Um, yeah, the honestly, second... I've never played any of them. So yeah, the, the second the... game was titled Fire Emblem Gaiden. That's much mm. shorter. If I could mention really quickly too nope. that the Fire Emblem, uh, I'm denied. <laughs> no, denied. No, go for it, go uh, the Fire Emblem games were among the first that included like a permadeath feature for all the characters oh. in it. So the idea is, um, at least in the original games, if you brought a group of characters onto the map and one of your characters died, they were just done. They weren't going to respawn afterwards. They were gone. So you could have, you know, 10 hours, 15 hours, 20 hours with a character 
you know, um, learning about the character, getting a relationship with the character, uh, figuring out the character's backstory, and then the character just fucking Aerithur. Yeah, I was gonna say Aerith was the first time I ever remember a main character dying, and it scarred me to now. So they have they have made the more recent games a little bit more casual. You have the option to choose that when the characters die. Uh, No, no, (laughs) yeah, you get to pick Pick the who lives and who dies. (laughs) House of Dragons, like. So Fire it, it Emblem will, Four, uh, Sophie's Choice. <laughs> oh my god! Um, yeah, the characters will will come back at the end of the level if you uh, if you play this sort of casual mode, which is mm. which is nice. That's how I play it because I'm too much of a wuss to see these characters die. I want them to all live happily ever after. I just want them to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I understand because uh, I'm playing uh, Batman or Gotham Knights, the the new Batman game. <laughs> Over on PC, um, and you know what? Honestly, I'm liking it. I've played about 11, 12 hours. Um, I'm playing as Nightwing, Gotham's ass, as people say. Ass because it's a beautiful ass, not because he's a dick. Although he is also a dick because he's named. <laughs> he's Dick Grayson. Um, anyway, um, I thought it was actually pretty good. Um, it's still pretty fun from where I am. It people are comparing it to the to the Batman games, and none of these people are Batman, so he can't, they can't move like him. Yeah. Um, they can't. He can't. They're not like super ninjas, and the the Robin that they have in it is in Damien, so it's not like they have a mini version of him. Um, if they had Damien, I would fully expect a Batman, a mini Batman. <laughs> also, um, I've also very much been enjoying House of Dragon, and well, that sounds like two yums. Yeah, no, I did. I told you you can have two. I'm going to do two as well. <laughs> um, and it just finished last night. And I think we're going to be doing a fantasy episode in a couple of weeks because I want to talk about Rings of Power. I want to talk about House of Dragon. Um, Ooh, good call. So um, it's a it's another high time of fantasy. Um, high time. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Hawk, bring us home. All right. So I've only got one yum this week. Uh, uh, <clears throat> it's a series for, on FX I've been watching called The Patient. Uh, it stars Steve Carell oh, and Domino Gleason. It is the story of Alan Strauss, played by uh, by Steve Carell, who wakes up one morning to find himself in a strange basement and not with a chain around his leg. Um, oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> does he have a beard? It's, wait, he does have a okay, beard. Okay, so serious. <laughs> I think this was your yum. The last one we I think did. it was too. Wait, was it? Yeah. I remember you talking about this. Yeah, and then oh, we talked no. about the beard thing. Because oh, okay. I remember we talked about Domo Gleason, and then that got me talking about the movie about time. <laughs> That's oh, how yeah. much he loves it. It's a it's a double yum. <laughs> I have totally forgotten this was my yum that previous time. I'm so sorry. It's just that it's coming to a conclusion on Tuesday, and <laughs> That's it, how it's good a, it is. Just watch it. It's such a short series. Like it's a half hour long, and by you know by the time you are you are so wrapped into the story, and that and then the the cut ends, and you're just like kind of kick in your seat um mm-hmm. as I, I explained domino gleason plays his patient uh, sam ross um who kidnapped him because he is a serial killer and he he is dead intent on trying to stop more or less <laughs> Jeez, i mean i like domino gleason um, he's in, he's fantastic in this yeah. you know it's not like it's not like outlandish serial killer. He's a guy with an with a rage issue in that. He also happens to be a health inspector who interacts with the public on a daily basis. And that, you know that that explains why. I would right? imagine anyone who's a health inspector is uh, some kind of serial killer element to them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, do you have another one if you want to? Because you've you've talked about this show before. I, yeah. I, I stole your House of Dragon. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, the only other series I've watched so far is uh, The Watcher on Netflix. 
I started watching that today because of you. I don't mm-hmm. understand the style. Like, is it supposed to be funny or is it supposed to be dark? It's like it feels like that that Kristen Bell show about the with all the wine. I don't remember what it's a little called. bit. Yeah, it's not definitely not on the funny side of it, and that, but it's it's an examination of home ownership and like you know society in America right now. Um, a couple that buy this magnificent home. It's just palatial, you know, old colonial, the kind of home that they just do not make anymore in that. Um, it's based on a true story. So keep this in mind that, but they start receiving letters and these letters uh, first start out very flattering about them in the house and then begin, become very creepy uh, and start almost becoming threatening in that, mm-hmm. telling them that the house demands blood. And on top of that, people are they people are coming in and out of the house, and they have no idea where and how or you know what's going on. You know what's funny is that um, when I started watching this show, Megan was like, "Oh, I remember reading this on Reddit years ago," and then mm-hmm. and then that thread got updated, and they're like, "They're making it into a TV show." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, it's it's." Uh, which now begs the question: How long before Reddit gets its own movie studio? I'm sure. It's in the works. Why wouldn't they? They have the the best stories, and you you've know, got the writing. They have the rights to all of our <laughs> stuff on there. Um, the Kristen Bell show I was talking about is the woman in the ho- in the house across the street from the girl in the window. Music by Nami Melamud, and it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that one's more satire than that. This one also kind of feeds into our our true crime kind of obsession in podcast. Uh, you know the universe these days and that it's it, it's a mystery that's been going on for years because they have never really found anybody who kind of took credit for being the so-called watcher and that the the person addressed in the at the end of the letters mm. um, well now you just ruined the whole show for me damn damn hawk <laughs> um brent did you want to do your second one yes um, so this is uh now this is not terrifier as as we've discussed if you want to we'll talk about that separately afterwards but no, this is one that was going to be my yum last week. This is a show that I just discovered that I don't know how I missed and ended up, as soon as I found it, I benched the first season in one night. It's only six episodes. Uh, it's on HBO. It's uh, Nathan Fielder's The Rehearsal. What um, is this? Yeah. That was my exact reaction when I heard that Nathan Fielder had another TV show. It is fucking brilliant uh it's essentially he has taken the format from nathan for you and evolved it into a full documentary series where now it's he's offering services to people who are having trouble having difficult conversations with people or you know like revealing secrets so he creates this ultra fabricated lie where he hires actors to play parts in it and creates like sets and uh, based around your life, also that he can help you rehearse every possible scenario that might come up from you telling someone this secret. Like in the first episode, the secret is this guy is in part of a bar trivia team and he lied about having a master's degree, and he's afraid that they're going to react poorly when he tells them. So he literally recreates inch by inch every little bit this bar that they do trivia in hires a bunch of actors to fill the place in hires an actress who the one friend he's really worried is going to overreact hires someone to basically follow her around learn everything they can about her so that she can accurately portray her in this scenario and just rehearse him telling her over and over and over again to get him ready to actually do it and the level of absurdity that it goes to is unreal 
Um, and then starting in the second episode, they create a storyline that runs throughout the entire season about a woman who isn't sure if she wants to have kids. So he creates a dream home for her and every week supplies her with child actors that will play her kids from infant all the way up to 18, aging them up three years every week. And again, just because of all of the laws around it and just how he gets around it is just it's it's so good. I, I cannot stress how ingenious and wonderful this show is. And like it's dark at times too. Like it's very dark. It's very introspective. Like it poses a lot of questions. Uh and it's it, but it's also absolutely fucking hysterical. That sounds amazing. And I'm going to download that tonight. <laughs> it's six episodes. It was a really quick watch. I, it's about 3 hours, a little over 3 hours. Um, um, the show you were talking about is called The Rehearsal. And it's on HBO. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, um, Taffy has two yums, and they're both good. So I'm going to say them. Um, the first one is the Cyberpunk show, which is the anime that's on Netflix. It's amazing. It does not have a second season announced, which makes me really upset. Um, and then another show that hasn't <laughs> gotten a second season announcement: The Sandman. We did an episode about The Sandman a couple of weeks ago. I think it was just me and Hawk, right? Yes, it was. That was like those two that watched it. We could have really good. We could have <laughs> talked for longer, and we had to cut ourselves off because that show was amazing. And the mm-hmm. what they did to that show, I like Neil Gaiman needs his hands on all of his projects because American Gods was unfortunate. A shit show. It was a shit show. I was uh, I was oh. randomly in the background in one of those shows. <laughs> that uh, show. Good Good Omens got uh, picked up for season two, starting to film uh, no, in a no, couple months. They're done filming. It's oh, I year. thought they were just now. I oh, I thought they only just announced that they no, were going to start. No, filming. they announced it last year. Oh, okay. Um, um, it's actually based on a lot of the writings that Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman did. Yeah. Back in the nineties, but they didn't really want to go forward with it. Um, so I'm glad that. They're taking his ideas and still making it into something. So good on them. It's always nice to see David Tennant on TV, right? Right for those oh, uh, oh, hell yeah. those people who got spoiled oh, on Twitter yeah. last night. Uh, and Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen's a joy in everything he does. Um, <laughs> he is. Uh, if, if Sandman doesn't get a second season, people will shit. They will shit. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, like... I mean, it's expensive. Why the last girl didn't get a second season? Paper why, Girls why the didn't last get a man, second season? Why the last man did not get good ratings? Sandman was the number one show for like two months, yeah, which is actually really good for retention sake. Because why the last man was badly timed, really badly. Who timed. premieres a pandemic show during a pandemic? Uh, <laughs> the Stand. Also, yep. the stand was bad. So <laughs> the stand know. was the stand the was stand not good. Was bad. Yeah, that was just a bad show. Why the last one was actually pretty good. They canceled it before the, it finished. Um, the stand was a great pilot episode, and then the pilot was yeah. good. The first show, was. the first episode was. Yeah. Anyway, we're let's. Oh shit! I I have all of this, uh, the stream element stuff for the uh, for the magic spoon. Don't go to the magic spoon link. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Oh, you forgot to take the promo down? I forgot to take it off. Um, anyway, so we're going to be talking about <laughs> Clerks, the Clerks trilogy. But first, let's talk about Kevin Smith, the man who made the Viewisk universe. Um, I know we all have gotten, we're all Kevin Smith fans, obviously. Or at least we've been fans of his throughout the years. At some point, we may have fallen in and out, especially during his uh, 
yoga hoser days but that's mm-hmm. you know um then we're not talking about that um <laughs> i i really want to know how you guys got into kevin smith like what was your first film how did you discover it um you know d- did you become a really diehard after that that like so many kevin smith fans have become let's start with uh hawk let's start with hawk Hey, so I guess I'm like the original here in that, that my first viewing was Clerks. That was 94. It was on VHS. I don't remember how I heard about it. I know I was really into indie film at this time and that, um, like in 92 after I saw Reservoir Dogs, it's, it's like my whole view on Hollywood just kind of changed and that. And it's like, had to go you know, just looking for like the next kind of hot indie release and that or dark underground subject and that. Somehow this kind of this it did it because it got a lot of press in that in like you know the typical formats of the time magazine. Um, I never saw anything about it on television. Somehow I ended up watching it and I fell in love with this movie. It was one of the funniest things. I never thought like somebody could pull off something like this, especially when you start reading about it. It had like something like a ten thousand dollar budget for completion. <laughs> uh, I, I think it was fifteen, wasn't it? It was a credit card. We- uh, the, like the whole clerk's budget? Yeah. Yeah, the entire clerk's uh, budget. 30, 32,000. Oh, they talk 32. about it in the movie. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> clerk's story. The it was, it was like 30, right? 32 to 35,000 or something like that. It, was, it might yeah. have been actually, no, I think it might have been 37,000 and that's where that number came from. Okay. But then that but, might just be re- revisionist history here because of that number. So, yeah. After that, in a row. Uh, in a row. 27,575 dollars. Hmm. Okay, so somewhere around the middle there. <laughs> After that, uh, I was hooked, um, and Mallrats was kind of on my radar again. Uh, you know, a few years later, saw it in the theater. It, I loved it. Maybe didn't have. I think a, it got. It didn't get as big a reception as it should have gotten at the time, and that because people were like, "Oh, the indie filmmaker has moved on to a big budget," and blah blah blah. Yeah, it's still a great movie mm-hmm. and funny, right? Michael Roker in that film. God, chocolate pretzels, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and also, he ended up launching so many careers in that. You know, um, what's his face? Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Jason Lee. Jason ben Lee. Affleck, obviously. That Joey, was, Lauren. You know, Joey Lauren. Joey right. Lauren. I think Joey Lauren was already somewhat established. but she? Same. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Because she, yeah. she had Days of Confused before that. So did Ben Affleck. Uh, uh, SFW. So. SFW. Yeah. Fair, fair, fair. But what was interesting is that he evolved after that with his next ra- round of uh, films and that, like Chasing Amy and Dogma on that. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're both like were pretty, they reached a little higher than just the usual dumb comedy in that. You know, they were, yeah. they were comedic, they were funny mm-hmm. in that, but he was also trying to, you know. It's, it ahead. was the first time he was like, I have, a, I have a voice as a filmmaker and I have something to say, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say it in the way you all like to hear it in the comedic tone. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how well Chasing Amy holds up now on that, but, you know, it does. I, I, it does, it does okay. for us as fans. I yeah. wonder yeah. how it how it holds up in the LGBTQ uh, community. That was what I was always wondering. Brittany, do you're in the chat. Tell us. <laughs> but, but yeah, but that's how does it hold up in the LGBT community versus like with someone who's in the community who watched it back then versus someone who's in the community now watching it for the first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's um, like the movie bros. Like I, I saw it and I liked it a lot. Like it just came I, out. I, I just watched it last night. I loved it. Um, but I want to know how it, how it feels in the yeah. LGBTQ community. Um, we'll talk about that in a later. Um, yes. So the evol the evolution of Kevin Smith. And then he did a road trip movie after that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Well, let's let's. I'm I'm gonna go around and at least see what our first films were first. But we can talk about his filmography after. Uh, Brent, what was your first movie, and how'd you get uh, into him? Oh God, my introduction to him is 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 slightly embarrassing. Um, so the Let first introduction I had to him, yeah. The, <laughs> so the first interaction that I had to him or, or notification of him was, um, if everyone remembers the 3D Magic Eye posters. This is um, the exact same story I'm gonna yeah. tell. <laughs> so I was Sooner. I was obsessed with those when they came out, and I remember seeing someone in my high school had um, some kind of magazine. And it had one of those 3DI posters in it. And I was sitting there staring at this thing for ages before I finally saw it. When you finally focused in and saw it, it was an ad for Mall Rats, obviously because of the, the <laughs> sailboat in it. <laughs> so that was my first real like indication of like, this is clever marketing. I really like this. But my first time actually watching one of his movies was Mall Rats. Mm-hmm. And this is the embarrassing part. So I have a friend of mine sold me a VCR for like five bucks. And it was this massive like clunky weighed 400 pounds piece of shit thing but it had these little dials on the top for you to like track in and out on certain channels so i found out that if you put on the movie networks and all the scramble channels and you focus that dial in just right it descrambles them nice so what kind of movie were you watching later? <laughs> Like what so, kind of movies would have to be scrambled for? So shows? I'm going through that, and then the very first movie that I descrambled and sat down and watched was Mallrats. That's amazing. It was on the movie network, and as soon as I, and I was watching it for a while, and I was didn't re- no recollection to the poster, but I was just like, this movie's fucking hilarious. I love this. This is so good. And then I got to the schooner thing, and suddenly like that little thing clicked, and I'm like. The fucking Magic Eye poster. Yeah. Holy shit, I've been wanting to see this movie. And like, no re- idea that I was currently watching it. That's amazing. So I, I missed about the first like half an hour of it. So I ended up like waiting for it to come back on and re-scramble it and like fix it. And then sat down and watched the entire thing. And then after that, I had stumbled upon Clerks somehow. Hmm. Uh, I think a friend of mine rented it and we watched it. I know... Again, no association between the two. Didn't even dawn on me the Jay and Silent Bob thing. No association. And then eventually I saw Chasing Amy and it was like one that just looked interesting and I rented it. And it still no association. And it wasn't until I was like, I told my parents, I said, hey, I just watched this really great movie last night. I think you guys would really like to my two very, very Catholic parents. It's a movie called Chasing Amy. Yeah. And we sat down and watched it as a family. And it was as we were doing that, I went, I've made a mistake. This was not a good idea. But it was as I was watching it in that moment and I'm starting to pick out other things. I'm like, wait a minute. These two guys are in every single... Hang on, hang on. And that's when I finally realized that these three movies were all done by the same guy. And I was like, what else has he done? That's amazing. And at that point, Dogma had just come out. So I ran out and got Dogma immediately. And that's at great. that point, it was just like, I was a hardcore fan for life. That's amazing. Um, the um, That's a great story. I want to I actually touch upon the two. Um, one thing, TMN or the movie network, which is what Brent was talking about. It's sort of like the HBO in Canada for all the people that are in the States. Um, I believe it was still called First Choice at the time. I remember that too. Yeah. Um, is TMN still around? Does anyone know? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it, it I is. Know. It's all it's all on demand now, though, right? Yeah, oh, weird. Um, yeah, well, and there's like ten channels or something. Like, yeah, mm. there's like an '80s channel and a '70s channel. Yeah, like that. that sounds cool. Um, I'm gonna 
there's a couple uh first times in the in the chat like their first time watching a kevin smith movie uh vocal tomes wrote i'm pretty sure it was dogma when she was five <laughs> oh, no so young <laughs> she's so young yeah. yeah yeah which i you know amazing and then uh smk wrote um he saw dogma in high school and then watched all of kevin smith which is amazing um shows what about you what was your first time so my uncle um was uh like i i don't know if i've ever shared this in the in the in the uh podcast before but my grandparents owned a, a video store when i was growing up i think and, you did you did and uh even as a young kid i would work there sometimes and you know uh help sign out movies and we had to rewind the movies because they were all on VHS and all that kind of stuff. And my uncle worked there as well. And and he was, I, I kind of idolized him for his knowledge of all the cool movies and stuff. And I was a young kid. I was um, maybe 12, 13 years old. And um, sometimes I would get to go visit my uncle at his place. And and uh, one time I remember going to, to play um, video games with him. And we were playing Turtles in Time on his uh, on his Genesis and um i looked up on the wall and i see these posters he's got a poster for clerks and a poster for mall rats and they're right on either side of his tv um and i i hadn't seen either of the movies before i was just like 13 or something and so um i i ended up uh renting mall rats uh, the next day and that was actually one of the bonuses of having a family video store i just take it all take it home for free and i wouldn't have to to pay or anything and I watched that and I loved it. And um, I, I watched, uh, I think I watched Chasing Amy next. And I think Ooh. I watched Clerks third. Um, and then Dogma and then onward. Um, so but Chasing, I, know, I know we're going to see it at the time because Chasing Amy came out in 97. Is that when it, when it did? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's roughly about, about the time that that would have came out. I, I remember seeing Dogma uh and and uh and jane silent bob strike back i remember seeing those in the theater yeah. but everything else i saw on on tv whether it be on vhs or dvd or something well dogma came out when we were 18 and yeah. and um jane silent bob came out when we were 20 so like mm-hmm. perfect yeah, i think oh. uh, strike back was the first one that i saw in theaters and i think mm-hmm. like i i i think it was me and andrew noble went to every kevin smith movie that came out together nice, nice. like that was like our thing for the longest time is anytime a new movie of his came out we went together mm-hmm. Nice. That's that's really funny. Um, for me, my my story sort of is like Brent's. Um, there was a m- local movie theater, and they had the the Mallrats poster out front, and I was like, "Magic Guy," and I was just drawn to it because it's Magic Guy. How could yeah. you not want to do it? I did not ever see it. Be- I don't know why. I was it an actual schooner on there? I I don't know. No, the the actual poster was it said Mallrats on it. That's it. There was nothing in the yeah. in between. Oh god. I sat there no. for so long just trying to see it, and I was like <laughs> I don't see anything. All I see is are these two guys on the front and I, you know, I was enamored by it. So I was like I'm going to see this movie when it comes out. It's probably cool. It has a Magic Guy poster. How could it not be? And it never went to that movie theater. Never. <laughs> and, oh. uh, so I sat there and I was like, where did this movie go? And then I finally saw it on VHS at our local, you know, video star called That's Entertainment. Um, and I went, I rented it. And I was like, holy shit, this is hilarious. I was what, 16, I think, at the time when I saw it? Six, probably 16. I'll go with that. No, probably 15, because it was before Chasing Amy. Um, and I, And then I was like, fuck yeah this is amazing and so we started talking about it at school in high school and we're like yeah yeah this movie's amazing and one of our friends had 
had watched it already and found clerks so he started passing around the vhs to all of our friends and we all ended up watching <laughs> clerks and we're like holy shit this is way better than Mallrats. <laughs> I love Mallrats, but Clerks was like a revelation because it was it was totally different than we had ever seen before. And then we ended up seeing Chasing Amy later again on VHS because it never came out in theaters from what I remember for us, um, at least in St. Catharines. There was a lot of controversy around it, which was kind of ridiculous in that yeah. because it didn't really feature any sex or any nudity. It was just talking. It yeah. was just yeah. the sub actual subject matter alone. People were just freaking out about it. Ridiculous. I remember like the first time I watched Clerks, I was just so in love with it by the end of it and just so blown away by it. Mm -hmm. And my buddy looked at me and said, that was the worst movie I've ever seen. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's brilliant. He's like, they didn't do anything. And it never dawned on me watching the movie that they didn't ever do anything in the movie but no, I don't that's what's amazing like, about it it's just it, yeah. it was like normal people that we'll talk about when we yeah. get the clerks um but um and then i ended up seeing dogma like as soon as that i was like fuck i have to see this movie in theater and it was the first time i ever saw a kevin smith movie in theater it was amazing people were protesting outside it was only yep. the second time that i'd seen a protest outside of a movie the other one was um passion of the christ no, I didn't see it. No, nobody, nope, nobody ever protested. That, that had that. buses of people going to it. No, it was yeah. the one with um, Christian Bale, American Psycho. Oh, uh, oh, you're kidding! They protested that. Uh his that book was very big in Paul Bernardo's life. So being oh. from St. Catharines, <gasps> that was not. Down. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of whether or not I saw because I saw that movie in the theaters too with a couple of people, and I don't, I don't think I remember. The, the, we walked out of that movie. The closest movie theater they had that was yeah. Niagara Falls or Burlington. Like it was nowhere in between. Yeah. Um, I saw that one with Andrew Jeff. I think we walked out. I think we all universally did not like American Psycho. <laughs> I I was I was enthralled because I wanted to know why it was so you know reviled in my city and controversial. So um, anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about lighter subjects. Kevin Smith. Uh, and I, so after I saw Dogma, I saw it with my friends, I ended up going with my younger sister to Jane Silent Bob Strike Back because I had introduced her to Mallrats and all that when I was a teenager. So she's also a big Kevin Smith fan. And I, I like that that's something that we can share together. My older sister you, does not like it. Did you, did you see the, uh, the, the picture of Kevin Smith actually joining the protesters outside of, with, with dog, of yeah. the dog? There's, you, there's video. video. You can find the video on YouTube. He's standing was, there with a sign or whatever. Yeah. It was, it was also you can in, find uh, the. You can find scene. the full news broadcast on uh, on YouTube from that. Yeah, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> Have you seen the movie? Oh no, but I've heard that it's terrible. <laughs> it talks about the Catholic Church in it, yeah. so obviously they, it's bad. They yep. keep referring to him as this as a protester who suspiciously looks a lot like the director <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> so good. It was so good. Um, so we're here to talk about Clerks. The first one came out in 1994 when we were just we we boys. Um, we young lads, uh, th this was nothing like I had ever seen before because it was a movie about nothing. Um, mm -hmm. And it was it was really about just normal people living their lives. And it's, it was a sort of a examination of it, although that wasn't something that I thought about at the time. What did you guys think about when you saw Clerks for, for the first time? Anyone jump? In? It was a coming of age for me. Like this was the first movie like I, I watched anything that had big explosive action or big laugh out loud comedy and stuff. And like, I was very much a, I want everything in my face explosions. I want craziness. I want all this. I never in a million years would have thought I would sit down and watch a movie about just two guys talking. And I was so enamored and so glued to the screen the entire time that it just changed my perspective of, of what I find entertaining in movies. Like, 
it opened my eyes to writing. Like I said, like I'll discuss this as we go on with each of the movies, but each of the movies has like changed me yeah. in one way. And the first one really changed like my passion about things. Like if it hadn't been for clerks, I never would have written low lives and mm-hmm. I never would have met any of you guys. Yeah. Like it was watching that movie and I dedicated that script directly to him too. Yeah. For that reason, it's because like it's watching that movie made me want to write it made me want to put all these crazy ideas i had in my head on paper because if it worked for him it could work for me so like i remember watching it and realizing like i didn't really like theater or anything before then but that was pretty much what theater is but on a on a screen like it it was a lot of dialogue a lot of exposition a lot of like character moments between things and i think this is why my drama teacher at the time was sort of like pushing me into something because she had heard us talk about clerks and I feel like she was cool enough that she had watched that movie. And she's like, you know what? Maybe you'd like was- acting and maybe doing this. And I, I, the first play I did was a satire in high school. Like I was 16 and I was like, I didn't understand how amazing it could be just to have this, these conversations with another person on stage and how I- that would affect people around them. I love that you make that analogy about like how it it drew you towards the theater because I remember when Andrew sat down with me that one day at at the bar and said, "Hey, I think I want to I want to direct Low Lives," and I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "I think I want to put it on on like stage," and I was like, "No, man, I wrote this as a movie. Like, I was going to film this as a movie." And he's like, "No, let's do it on stage." I'm like, "You can't do it on stage." He's like, "It's two people sitting around talking. It was fucking made for the stage." And I was like, and then I started like replaying my script in my head. I'm like. No, he's 100% right. This was made for the state. All right, let's do it. <laughs> it it really, like, yes, it, it it was made for a stage, and it was made for a stage for people to walk out, which I think was hilarious. Uh, we'll talk about that in a, in different stories. Um, What did you guys think, uh, Schauser and Hawk? Schauser. Okay, yeah. Um, I It was one of the first... Um, sort of black and white films that I found myself really interested in. Like when you're, when you're young, it's, it's kind of hard to find yourself interested in artsy films. Like you, you think of the black and white as really old or something that you can't really connect to. But, um, I, I like the style. Like I, I liked how, um, it, it, it felt like it, by, by washing away some of that, uh, glitz and glamor that you would get with, you know, full color and big sets and big, you know, flashy scenes, um, you could focus entirely on on the characters and and like these the 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 characters that were made for that movie were um, so interesting to listen to and 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 to relate to and and like I I think that I, I couldn't imagine anybody else playing those characters after seeing them in those movies like they they just did such a good job of embodying those characters. Mm-hmm. A hawk. For me, it's. Well, yeah, this was, was your a... second film, too, right? Like... No, yeah. Or, oh, or no, it was your show? first film. Sorry, my bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Clark's was the only first. one that saw it first. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it was just, it was kind of, it was a perfect film for its time. I mean, we all came off of the 80s and that. I think you know, we came off as a very spoiled generation of moviegoers and that because of the 80s and that. Because we got used to, like, you know, you know huge you know, productions and we watched how production values just soared and soared and soared, you know? Um, I think if you were a teenager, like this, you know, at the time, then like, you know, this was, this really hit with you and that, you know, it's not like you didn't, you, I really noticed like the low end production of it and that, you know, it's like, you know, 
uh, and yet it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and the fact the show spent how it's black and white, and I'm sure that's put more than a few people off of seeing it. You know, because as yeah. as you said, like you know, you see black and white, and especially at the time, you associated it with like either old films or experimental films, and that which were all just heavy on imagery and that. This was not that. You know, this was like as you said, conversations. And like I said, it was so timely because like, you know, I think probably the number one show on television at the time was Seinfeld, you know, which was a show that, you know, pretty much transformed the dynamic of what a sitcom could be. For sure. Yeah, that that it could be an entire episode about nothing. And this, you know, this movie, although things happen, it was largely about nothing. It was about a day in the life of a clerk who wasn't supposed to be there. And yet there are some scenes in it that still stick out with me today. Mm Mm-hmm. How about the scene? The scene, the scene, there is one scene I always remember from it. It's when he hoists the the gallon jug of milk onto the counter and he lets out the little, you know, and the guy starts laying into him about his physical. (laughs) (laughs) Just based on that little grunt. Yep. Yep. Oh my God. So many people, especially if you work in retail, um, they, Mm -hmm. they, they have to comment about stuff i love the people that are like oh there's no there's no tag on this it must mean it's free right <laughs> yes i've never heard that before thank you thank you that's um, what i wonder now because like Shasky you said like you you grew up working in the video store part-time mm-hmm. like has anyone else here had experience in either like in either of those like i worked at an adult video store for for uh, about six months and I didn't even want to talk about the fucking people you see that come into that place. Oh, Jesus, I, I worked at a video store in like, I think 95 for about three months. And, you know, we had, you know, obviously the regular cassettes and we also had a porn section, too. Yeah. That did it all I, behind, behind the glass beads. Yes. <laughs> I could, there was no glass. There were, yeah, there was. It was a couple of like partitions. You know, oh. that was about it. I do have a funny story about that, but I don't think I know if I can tell it on air. <laughs> tell us afterwards and we'll say if it's cool next week. <laughs> OK. Um, when um, I remember, like like Brent said, like it inspired him to write, which I think is really cool because this movie really it showed that anyone could write or make a film and i think that was kevin smith's sort of uh mantra for this film is like yeah. if, if i if you know other people can do it i can do it as well um did anyone else get that feeling after seeing that like, it really it, opened my eyes to so many things that was the thing is like the, it's it's not even just what clerks did it was like after watching the first four of his movies he was the first director that I became like fascinated with where I was like, I'm following your career. I'm following everything you do. Like I'm like, he was the first real, like it was the first real fanboyism for me was Kevin Smith and his movies. So, and hearing the stories of how he got it made and everything like that is like that further inspired me in the writing area and like, and wanting to be more creative and, and come up with things like that. Like it's, yeah, it's, he's the first person who I became more invested in, like him as a person than his movies. Yeah, yeah, I I, I, I can honestly agree because I the only real real other filmmakers I really really idolized was Steven Spielberg or George Lucas, right? At that at that point in my in my life in the early nineties. So getting to, you know, getting to love Kevin Smith's films, plus like. I was on the internet in the mid to late nineties. So I would be on the message board that Kevin Smith had as well. Mm. So he would interact with people, which was really cool. Not me. I didn't really type a lot. I just (laughs) ended up reading a lot. Um, But 
Yeah. Also, in but the chat, there's a there's a farsh and fra and and chops. That's that. I just want to know who how how that person knows Brent. Um. Anyway, sorry, shows. Apparently, they they've cleared it up that they didn't. They just think I look like a fun guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, what the fuck are you? I don't know. <laughs> you never know. Um. Sorry, shows. Um, I was just going to mention a couple of things. Uh, one, one of them about uh, Kevin Smith's sort of approachability. Like one, one of the really cool things I enjoyed watching about him was his uh, evening with Kevin Smith mm-hmm. specials that he did. Yeah. Like where he would set himself up and uh, just just do like an entire evening of just question answer with the audience. Yeah. And um, and he, he would just people would ask him questions about his career, about about his movie making and all that stuff, and he would answer. Like I mean, I, I have the 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 DVDs for some of those, and I and they. I don't know if you've ever been to one of them. Like, they go long, like yeah. to the point where they're like they're turning the lights on and off, telling him to stop it. We <laughs> need to go home. Yeah, because um, I went to go see the first one he did at uh, Roy Thompson. Um, Roy Thompson. Yeah, I don't know. I think I might have told. Too. I think I might have told the story last time we were on. But how like I was up on the second balcony and they never got around to getting up to our section for questions. And I was like, I was so pissed because the one question I was going to ask him for is, can I have a hug? Yeah. And <laughs> somebody ahead of me asked him that same question. And he sure enough was like, yeah, man, come on up and gave him a hug. And I was like, that could have been me, you dickhead. <laughs> but he got introed by uh, by Joey and Snake from Degrassi. <laughs> and uh i remember like i was a huge fan of degrassi too so that was really cool and i knowing the show so much i had to ask this one question after they walked off stage everyone's cheering for him when kevin walks out he's going crazy and as soon as the applause starts to die down he goes like that's how you know you've made it in canada when you're introduced by joey and snake and everyone starts laughing and i just scream out from up in the second balcony where the fuck is wheels and he turns and looks right up at me and he's like where the fuck is wheels guys <laughs> Degrassi oh, was awesome. a huge thing. Like there was even a joke about it in Chasing Amy. Uh yeah. you guys remember. Did you guys Maybe. catch the joke about it in Clerks 3? No, there was a Degrassi no. joke there? Damn. Oh. Big time. Big time. Oh shit. I oh, might wow. have heard it. I, it sounds uh, uh just big like, time. Kevin Smith also directed Degrassi episodes. Like he had he uh, did, Jay, yeah. Jay and Silent Bob showed up in one of them too, or a couple of them, which I think is funny. Um, the, the the other thing that I was just going to mention was that um, Kev, Kevin Smith made movies like he was just like he wanted to make a movie with his pals, like with his buddies. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. You know, whenever he made a movie, it was like, I'm you know, I'm going to he put his wife in the movies. He put his daughter in the movies. He put his friends in the movies. Every movie had. So it just felt like, you know, when when, when you know, you get together with your your buddies when you're younger and you just sort of act something out or you, you get a video camera and you make a movie with your friends. So he 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 did his stuff like that, and I think that's what made him more relatable as well. When you watched his stuff, that's a trade he and uh, David Lynch kind of share. You know, David Lynch has his pool that he of actors and that they he always kind of puts in his films. Um, Jack Nance, especially in that, you know, he was his best friend, and he put him in like everything he did. Mm. Yes. Um, uh... <laughs> Sorry, I, I lost my. I'm reading the yeah, chat. Yeah, I've been it's, reading it's really along funny. with that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, the chat's hopping tonight. It, it's really funny, um, and it's really quite good. There's, there's a, uh, uh, Farsh and Chops is writing what our real names would be and what jobs they think we would have. As it, uh, I would love to be a comic book uh, manager. It's not, it's not happening. So um, that's not for me. Oh, it would be for me one day, maybe. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is for you, Shouse, in the chat. You you would be Oscar <laughs> twenty three. Uh, what <laughs> a wet floor 
sign placer at McDonald's who studies pet shop management at college. I love it. You do I look like it. the youngest one here. Um, <laughs> the- Bob Wright is Oscar's father, John. He is 59 and a funeral host. <laughs> <and director. laughs> I feel I, I feel like we're writing a Kevin Smith movie with that would be right amazing. now. That would be amazing. Um, what else did it? Is there anything else about Clerks? Because Clerks was such uh, an, an like it was so mind blowing to me as a as a kid. Even now, it's still amazing. The last thing I would say about Clerks is that you know it as you know no matter it, it, as a teenager in that in your first job in retail and that you really identify with yeah. with the, all the characters yeah. with those two characters right because you have like a million stories about interactions with customers some good some bad some weird and you know oftentimes they were pretty hilarious to you afterwards mm-hmm. i don't think i don't know if you guys have seen superstore that tv show set in like a, a walmart but i don't think that would have been made if clerks wasn't made because mm-hmm. that's pretty much what it was and like I worked at a future shop. I know the the stories that happened, and <laughs> man, that job would have been great if not for the customers. <laughs> Kevin Smith, yeah, like, knocked, what, like that was that's spot on. It's the most one of the most quotable what? movies I know. See, I like, should have had this shit all displayed in the background before we started. So. <laughs> yeah, it's the full Clerk series plus the full Evening Kevin Smith series. Yeah, you I got like this it. one. Too. You got this one too. <laughs> no, but I've just ordered that, that actually. Nice. I have all those. Yeah. Sorry, Huck. Every without, time I tried to buy it, it was sold out. So I without, actually bought this at a future shop. <laughs> I think you're just doing it on purpose now. Yeah, go, yes, go, on, go. Yes, we are. <laughs> without a movie like Clerks, you never would have gotten the 40 year old version. Like you know, considering like you know, the most of the 40 year old version was set inside that like Best Buy future shop place that they were mm-hmm. working. You know, and like he made the common workplace a compelling environment uh, setting for a story. Agreed. Agreed. Um, let's move over to Clerks 2. It was announced in the mid-2000s that he would be coming back and writing and directing a sequel to Clerks, which no one expected because he had sort of moved away from the Vuex universe. The The Bible was closed on it after Jay and Silent Bob uh, strike back. So he, he, he had said in, in media that he, he was not coming back to that universe. He wanted to explore himself as a director and a writer and do other things. Which, you know, that's fair. He, he was an up-and-coming director, if not uh, an already established director at that point. But in, I believe, later when he talks about it, Jay was going through some uh, issues, like drug issues. And he said, if you, if, you're, if you become clean, I will write a second Clerks movie and we'll do it. And, you know, to, to Jay's, you know... Credit. Credit. He, he actually, he, he, he was clean. He got clean yep. and he wrote clerks too. He got the whole crew back and it came out in 2006. Another movie I got to see in theaters. Um, I love seeing Kevin Smith movies in theaters because the people that go opening night are like Marvel fans. They are there to see this amazing, amazing experience and to experience it with Kevin Smith fans. We'll talk about this when I get the clerk story. It's, it's one of those things like seeing a, a Marvel film with Marvel fans, seeing a Kevin Smith film, fan uh film with kevin smith fans is is amazing i love clerks too when it came out i know a lot of people didn't um it was it was it was divisive it's my favorite of his movies (sighs) hands down it's my favorite of his movies it's wonderful i love it as well it it has so much i feel it's um to me it's the it's the most complete of all of his movies where like you don't have to know any of his others going into it to enjoy it like there you don't need that continuity and it's just so 
refreshing and entertaining and fun and touching and sad and like uh, it was just it was the perfect movie for me it it was perfect for me as well it the thing about these movies is that they sort of came out during these times of our lives like we grew up with them yep so yeah uh clerks was about the 20 your 20s and you know just sort of getting your life together and trying to figure yourself out. Clerks 2 is a continuation of that. That's your 30s, right? Um, I, mm, yeah. I was still in my 20s at the time, but I understood the the growing up because I had been growing up with these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll explain the irony of, of how I saw Clerks 2 when we get around go to Go for that. it. Go now. Do it. Uh, so I I got to see Clerks 2 um, early. You were descrambling um, your TV. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was old enough for for the adult movies at this point. Um, no, I worked at a restaurant that I was not super happy working at. Um, it was not the greatest place in the world. I was not doing a job I liked doing. It was a job that I was good at, and I felt, oh, I better stick with this and do this for the rest of my life. Uh, one of the perks of working here, though, was that the owner was friends with a lot of uh, people from like the, the local newspaper, so... Um, we would constantly get movie passes uh, to go to premieres and go for like early access stuff. So we um, got tickets and a whole bunch of us in work all went to go see Clerks 2 uh, about three days before it came out. And it was ironic because I watched that movie and that movie changed my life. Um, that movie, as I watched it more and more over the years and got to see the message... The message is you don't ever have to be complacent. You don't ever have to feel like you're stuck in a place in your life. You can always do something. You can always find something new. You can always move forward. And it was that message that I got from that that made me finally go, I hate what I'm doing in my life. I am miserable in my career. Fuck this. I quit. I'm going back to school and I'm going to do what I love. And I went back and I'm doing that to this day. Like I, I started my own business. I've been doing my own thing. I do the streaming. I'm basically like I'm living my life in a way where I'm being responsible, but at the same time, I'm making myself happy and I'm doing things that I love. And it never would have happened without that job. So thank you so much, Francis, for giving me tickets to go see the movie that made me quit working for you. <laughs> I, it's crazy because uh, Dante was someone who's always trying to find happiness and he had found this little slice and he was holding onto it so tight, even though it wasn't something that really made him whole. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And oh God, I can't remember the name of Kevin Smith's wife in the movie. Um, Emma, like who hasn't been in a suffocating relationship, right? It's, it's, it was amazing to watch these, everything felt so real again, like a different type of, um, slice of your life, a different type of retail, but it's all felt real. And all these people had evolved a little bit, if not, you know, at least a little bit emotionally and maybe not, uh, mature wise, but you know, what did you guys talk thoughts on clerks do clerks to I, I actually didn't get a chance to rewatch it. Um, and I haven't seen it since like it came out on home release and that, but probably in the mid 2000s, 2006. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, to me personally, I was kind of on the downswing of Kevin Smith at this point in that. So That's this fair. movie, this movie didn't really make that big an impression. Not the way clerks, the original did and that now mm-hmm. you know part of me you know was still tied to that little small movie and that that he made for twenty seven thousand dollars thank you for 
chops for verifying that uh, in black and white Yay, and Wikipedia. I, yeah. <laughs> and while his career, you know, made the transition to bigger, like better production than that, I don't think the actual, you know, I didn't really find that clerks did, you know, it, these characters coming, you know, going on to a sequel with a bigger budget. Uh, and, you know, definitely more prime talent now with mm. Zaria Dawson added to the cast. She added so much to that cast. Like oh she God. had this brightness and warmth and light that just radiated off the screen and seeing her mm-hmm. with Dante, how could you not fall in love with her in I that know. film? Um, that, oh, and this, this, this was prime for her. This was like, you know, she was, you know, the hot thing in Hollywood. Well, she, I don't even remember what movie. No, she was, it, she was, was the last before? person. She was the last person they went to for this movie. Like, um, I, because I recently watched the documentaries about the making and they had a list of like five actresses that they went after hardcore first. They wanted Sarah Silverman who turned it down because she was like, I'll play it if I can play Randall. She's like, but I'm not playing, the, <laughs> I'm not playing the love interest. I'm that, I'm not interested in that. They went to Ellen Pompeo, but then Grey's Anatomy had just blown up. So she was like, no, not going to do it. They went to, um, Bryce Dallas Howard who initially said yes, then she read the script and went, go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, Why? Oh. <laughs> who else? Um, I can't remember. There was uh, the fourth one. I can't remember. And then the last one, they, they read the name Rachel Vice, and they were like, no, no, that's, that's just not happening. Like <laughs> the mummy was, and then finally someone just came in and said like, what about Rosario Dawson? And they're like, she'll never do it. And they sent her the script and she replied back. She was like, as soon as I read donkey show, I said, I'm in <laughs> Amazing. Her, her exact response was as soon. When am I ever going to get to do a movie with the donkey show? As soon as I saw a donkey show, I was like, I don't care. Clear my schedule. I'm in. <laughs> Chefs, what did you think of, uh, how'd you get into clerks two? What'd you think of it? So I saw Clerks 2 in the theater and um, I remember, I, I think it just happened to be the time of, I, I mean, I think we've talked about this tons of times before on this show where, where you, you, when you watch a movie at a particular time in your life, and I think Brent really emphasized it on, mm. on what, how, what was going on with him when he saw this movie. I think when I saw this film, um, I was going through that kind of phase in your life where you feel like you know better than everybody else and you know you're kind of like hey, Randall eh, this sucks. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah and and so i right away went into this film thinking um they're just milking this franchise he's just trying to you know kevin smith's trying to get back to where he was he's trying to he's milking the franchise so i think i went into it with a negative attitude to start mm-hmm. um and so i i remember watching it and not really enjoying it and um luckily though i had seen it since i've seen it since uh on on dvd and and i enjoyed it a lot more uh after watching it a few years later like when when i guess it, it all depend on the time of your life what you're what's going on with yeah. you when you watch it and um i i had a little bit more appreciation for it um i still think it's my least favorite of the of the three of the trilogy um, but it definitely has some some amazing moments in it, and and I yeah I, I love Rosario Dawson as well. She's <laughs> absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah, it, it it just I think it was when the movie came out, it just did not sink its teeth into me. Mm-hmm. I think at that time I was sort of it was post university for us, and mm-hmm. and I was sort of lost in general because I was at a job again, sort of like Brent that I didn't really like and I wasn't really enjoying, and it wasn't really what I wanted to do. So I think, I don't think this made me look around, but I think it was always in the back of my mind. Um, the fact that Randall knew what he wanted to do 
was very eye-opening because out of everyone, I thought he would just be a slacker and just be like, you know what, I'm just going to go with the flow. But the fact that he yeah. wanted to open the the quick stop again and that that's what he wanted and that's where he enjoyed being, that was, that was really... It was really something. And then seeing them all have their happy ending at the end of that movie, I did not expect. And I was happy that that movie happened for them because I loved these characters when I first saw it as a teenager. And then we moved to Clerks 3. Yeah. Just Thank gonna... God they all got a happy ending. Now we go on to <laughs> Clerks 3. Clerks oh, 3. Fuck. Just the recently. gut punch. So um, everyone <laughs> who's in the chat, who, who's listening to us in podcast form, we are going to spoil this movie. I know it just came out yeah. a week or two ago um, on... I almost said VHS <laughs> on video. It um, would have been awesome if they put it out on VHS. <laughs> I would definitely buy it. My VHS uh, player is still working. Um, so we are going to spoil it, um, but this is your warning. So get out if you if you haven't seen it. Watch it and then come back. Yeah, go and go watch it. It's, wor- it's it, worth watching. It's sure. well worth Well, let's say that right now. Clerks 3. Uh, nothing. Uh, I remember hearing this movie getting killed in the mid-2010s because Randall, not Randall, um... Jeff Anderson saw the script and was like, this is garbage. No. Um, And so Kevin Smith threw out that script and then they got in a big fight and then Kevin Smith had a heart attack. Yep. (laughs) And then he sort of reevaluated things, decided to write Clerks 3 about it. Uh, And then he, you know, he he made up with Jeff Anderson as well and a bunch of other people. He, him and Ben Affleck ended up becoming friends again after a number of years. Um, it and then he decided that this this was a good a good starting point for this this last chapter of Clerks. Um, Did you see that in the mid two thousands, Clerks three was supposed to be a stage show? There was they were talking about they were talking about putting it out as a stage show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that as well. Um, yeah. So uh, we got into Clerks three. Uh, what did you guys think? Did did you think? Did you ever think this was going to happen? Did you think this movie was gonna? I I thought it would. I knew it was an eventuality. Um, because I knew he. There's no way that he was done with those characters. Um, I can't really it say was, that anymore. But it was it was <laughs> a, such a happy ending at the end of two. So I was I just assumed it, that would be it for some reason. I just feel like I, they've always been the characters that when something big in his life has happened or when he hits a milestone in life, they're they are the characters that become his voice. Of, of how he's feeling at that time. So I knew that there was always going to be another one because I knew that once he hit probably around his 50s, he was going to want to revisit these characters again and explain what happens to them when you're coming to the end of your career or or something like that. that. I actually didn't think he was going to do it as soon as he did. I thought it was probably going to be at least a few more years before he touched on it. But I think he's much the way that I've taken something from each of those movies that's affected me personally. He's created each of them because of something that's affected him personally. Like Clerks 2 was written basically and created because of him trying to rebirth his career. And also like just after following the birth of his daughter, which was a big evolution in his life. So he wanted to write about these characters going through another evolution. And then he has the heart attack. And that was a big game changer in his life. So it's like, why not use that as a catalyst to revisit yeah. these guys and explain where they are based on where he is? His 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 uh, podcasts um, were amazing, especially around the time of his heart attack, because it was such a when you face your mortality, there's so much that comes to light in your in your your mind's eye. And yeah. I I like the past two years, like the pandemic and seeing friends, you know, come and go 
just in that time is really like this is the perfect catharsis i think yeah for me yeah in a film like when I, just, I like when i saw this i saw it like like i said earlier in an event at cineplex um and the the people that were there there was only about 50 maybe 75 of us in the theater but we were all laughing and crying and it, it was such yeah. an emotional release for us the whole time especially since we'd been indoors for such a long time and like being out with that type Please. of people like it I don't, yeah um, it was incredible it was this movie was a gut punch like it was it was 100 a gut punch for me um i watched it for the third time today and i still can't get through the end without crying like a fucking baby um and i i think i never even really associated recently until you said that and i think it's because of like the way this movie ends has been such uh it, it, it's revisiting the past two years of the pandemic for me because mm -hmm. i've lost i've lost three good friends of mine to yeah. to covid related issues or to accidents in the past three years and i'm hitting that age now where that's going to start happening more i'm going to lose more family members i'm going to lose more friends and and at that stage of my life now and like so watching this movie where sorry spoilers somebody dies at the end um and it's someone who i've been invested in for you know longer than some of the friendships i have now it yeah. was like god damn it like why are you doing this to me why are you making me feel the feel these things i've been feeling again but it just shows like the evolution he's had as a filmmaker is like he just knows how to hit you now like yeah yeah. Mm. Um, Brent, um, not Brent. Oh my God. I was looking at Hawk and saying, I said Brent because he was just talking. Hawk, um, I know you were on the outs as a, uh, as a Kevin Smith fan during 2006. And he had a couple films afterwards that, you know, a lot of people didn't watch. And I saw Zach and Miri make a porno. I like the that theater, movie. And I was, and I like uh, it. I just, yeah, it's got oh, its funny moments. It's, it's, so it's enjoyable. It's, it's, it's not, not a Kevin, a Kevin Smith, Smith movie, film. though. No, exactly. No. <laughs> like the, at this point, the last film I had seen of his was Red State, which Ooh. I actually pretty liked. Yeah. Uh, Red State's really good. Yeah. I, we should I do a Halloween really episode and we'll talk about Red State. Oh, Lord. So this is probably the this is the first Kevin Smith movie I've seen since then. Um and a couple notable Sorry, things I forgot is to that, grab that as well. Yeah. <laughs> this is the one I got for going to the premiere. They they were supposed to mail them out to us uh 2 weeks after the show. Uh we didn't get them until a year and a half later. Damn. <laughs> you can tell he's really trying to recapture the the vibe of the first movie in that, especially things he really scaled back a production on, on this movie. And uh, agreed. Yes. I put I put this about it like maybe a mil or two million to get made. I can know, see produ that. A couple production wise, right? You know, and it shows a bit, just like it did in Clerks, and uh, you know, so that's okay. Um, uh, I didn't find it as funny as Clerks, obviously, and that because of the subject matter. But I did really appreciate how yeah. kind of tonally different it was, and how really it was it was in an interior examination of himself. He yeah. was playing out through this movie, yeah. right? Not just like the heart attack, but I mean, like where you are at when you're, you know, when in your fifties, because these characters, were, well, I mean, the actors themselves are like over fifty, and that I guess he was shooting for around. Late I think 40, I think 40s, it was, yeah 40s. I think it was mentioned that they were around like late forties like yeah, yeah. approaching yeah. fifty yeah. yeah um I uh, had something to say about this but that it, that did I did really appreciate that um you know even though it's like it was like tackling the hard issues and that you know like yeah. aging where are you going at this point in your life at this point in your life do you have a second shot or a second chance or a third act. 
Um, so while it wasn't what I was looking for as far as funny from Kevin Smith and that, it was actually um, exactly what I would expect from him on a more of an emotional level and that more of a touching level. Yeah. I have to agree with you. It wasn't as funny as the others, but yeah. I appreciate for that because it, I think it was more heartfelt than the other two. I, I don't mm-hmm. think we needed it to be funny. Like I think at this point we needed it to sort of wrap things up for us. Mm-hmm. And I love the way that they um, made it into kind of like a flashback show without making it into a flashback mm-hmm. show. Right. Like this meta idea of saying, well, we're taking this, um, we're, we're taking everything that's happened to these characters and they're going to, they're going to write it into a script and they're going to make a movie. And so yeah. um, if you were a clerks fan from back in the day, there were so many references in there to things that had happened in, in the previous movies. And, and it, it just, it, it just gave you that nostalgia, right? Yeah. It was really uh, 100% a love letter to clerks and how mm. he'd seen these characters. Right. And he said yeah. that it, this is, a love letter to his life as a convenience store person, right? Um, Farsh and Chops wrote something, and I, I want to read it. I think you yes. four would be great in a movie. Maybe one of those car road trip films where you're on the your way to somewhere hours away and shit happens on the way. A bit like Vacation or Dumb and Dumber, but you guys have higher IQs than those characters. <laughs> I think that would be amazing. I, li- I, li- I like it. A road trip without <laughs> the stifflers. Yes. Um <laughs> This movie, like we were saying, it's there's a lot of heart in it, and the heart that I got in in the second movie was a lot from Rosario Dawson. And what a gut punch in the first like four minutes, first minute of the movie. Yeah, you yeah. see like, that she had died in 2006, yeah. which was the same year that movie came out. So mm-hmm. it happened the year they got married. Um, mm-hmm. What did you guys think about having Rosario Dawson's character die and be? A- I. It, I was not expecting it going in. I thought I gasped because in when, theaters, when, like all of us did. It was crazy. When when I saw that Marion Gigliotti was coming back to play Veronica again in the movie, I thought for sure that what was going to happen was it was going to be a rekindled love interest between her and Dante, and it was going to be some kind of like emotional balance between like him loving Becky versus like this old flame. Maybe things are going well with Becky, and I thought that's where the story was going to go. So when that poster comes up four minutes in the movie that she's dead, I was like. Oh, what the f- whoa, we're going here. Like, shit. yeah, there's there was a girl that and, was right behind me that went, What? And I was like, mm. I, I felt the same way. It was shocking. Um, because yeah. I, oh, sorry, Hawk, yeah, or I, you know, I, I had wondered about how involved Rosario Dawson was going to be in this one. That I think it was again, I think it was a way of him kind of stripping the wanting to strip these characters back, especially the character of Dante in that, you yeah. know, from the original, who was like. You know, who was like the most unhappy guy going in that? He found happiness with Rosaria Dawson at the end of two. How could he go into Clerks three as like that happy guy? Yeah, but they it, took it, away his happiness so quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. He didn't. He didn't have much time to experience. And then he had it. sixteen yeah. years of of pain, which is exactly yeah, and like the, and could, the other thing that I completely forgot about going into it too was the fact that she was pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. And it wasn't until like that that line gets uttered later, like you know, and unlike you two guys, I have a family. I was like, that was when it clicked. I was like, oh, oh my god, yeah, she was fucking pregnant. Like, the, holy yeah. shit. Like, yeah. The, where it clicked for me is when he's in the hospital with Randall, and then he sees the ghost of them come in, and you can see that she's pregnant because she's holding her stomach. And I'm sitting there like, this is the worst. Like, this is my nightmare as a father, right? Like mm-hmm. losing your wife and maybe a kid. <laughs> not maybe mm. and a kid at the same time. like <laughs> yeah. that like i i can't um, like it it threw me like it totally like made me st- 
step back especially after watching jersey girl like jersey girl is such yeah. a love letter to his daughter uh even though it's not a great film i think it's actually not bad as a parent you you appreciate it um i but, should watch that again because i i haven't I, seen that in a long time i'm i'm one of the staunch defenders of that movie i i think it was a very well done movie you see it's just it, so yeah. it's just so different from what everything else he's mm. done um, but I still think it was a wonderful, well-told movie. It, it was really overshadowed. We're not going to talk about J- Cop Out. It, yeah, it was really overshadowed uh-huh. by the J-Lo, uh, Ben Affleck drama mm-hmm. that was happening at the time. Um, yeah, but- and the other, bi- the other big film, Gigi in that, which was... Geely, like- yeah. Oh, Geely. Yeah. Geely. <laughs> um, I do love that Rosario Dawson was sort of this Jiminy Cricket type character on Dante's um shoulder trying to get him to move on with his life he had, it was such a burden for him to have lost his daughter and his his wife and and seeing rosario dawson come back and be like you know what you've had so many good years you had your time with me you got to turn that page and move on in, in the story of your life that was man at this point in my life that is such a a good lesson for any of yeah for anyone um you can't stay stuck can't stay stuck exactly what'd you guys think that being said though and that you know these characters and that that i think there was a point he was trying to make about like you know when people tell you like you know oh you're too obsessed with your pop culture franchises and that we're sick of it and that you know and these are two guys entrenched in their late 40s and that and they still you know as as with randall and that he's very much still ensconced in his pop culture references like the whole scene in the operating room and that where he's basically describing the mandalorian to the doctor doing <laughs> doing like the you know the that that heart procedure and that inflating the balloon in the artery you know what's <laughs> funny about that scene she's in the mandalorian I know, Amy um, Sedaris. Yeah. <laughs> FYI, that was the uh, Degrassi joke, was that whole sequence. What? The song that was playing that whole time is the Degrassi, the Next Generation theme song. Oh, oh I didn't God. hear it. I didn't oh, hear that whatever it takes. That's hilarious. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and there's, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but as I was watching it again today and listening to it, towards the end of it, you can hear really softly a rap verse in the background and i think it might have been drake given his affiliation with degrassi yes. that's that's <laughs> hilarious um sorry what were you we were you talking about uh Mandalor- oh the 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 idea of uh being really into pop culture and all all of that and how it affects randall's life especially i, I know all all of us like we we love our sci-fi like look at the back of each of our except for hawks <laughs> rooms you can see the the love for, for that's why i got bored exactly um i have the love for dirty laundry and jumanji i got dirty rooms. laundry over there yeah. um <laughs> and randall decides you know what he he wants to he wants his story to be told because he had never seen it before and then he goes on this journey to create clerks um based on his you know love of conversation based on his love of of pop culture um or inconvenience as a inconvenience or uh, what was the other one? what was the other one uh, convenience stories <laughs> yes convenience stories yeah um which were both weren't they both supposed to be the, the, uh, the titles inconven- inconvenience was for sure with the original title i don't mm-hmm. know about convenience stories i never heard that one yeah um what do you think about randall trying to make his mark in the life because i think if especially at this point of our lives that's sort of what we all want to do before we leave right oh man it got dark <laughs> oh, I know. It's, it's, it's 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 weird going back and watching it now because like knowing 
the trajectory of the characters mm-hmm. and how essentially like, you know, he's had this near death experience, which is like um, created this catalyst for him having a midlife crisis. Meanwhile, the entire time he has no idea that his best friend is going through an end life crisis. Like, so it's, it's weird going back and watching that now knowing how the movie ends. Um, but I, I just, cause I kind of wonder, I was like, what trajectory is, is Kevin Smith going for by having him, I understand like the 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 in joke of having the character that you created based around yourself to be doing exactly what you did creating this character years ago and everything but it's like what trajectory was he trying to go with how the movie ends tying into that so I think it was mostly you know how he ed- edits it at the end to show his appreciation for Dante and how important he yeah. was with him because yeah. because uh, originally mm. the film was all about him and he let Dante know that but you know having seen his friend go through this same thing I what I but what I what I mean is like is there some kind of introspective there where it's like knowing how it ends how he changes it to be about him how was Kevin Smith trying to narrate that aspect compared to his life you know like yeah go for it was I think personally Okay, sorry. I think personally, it's probably about Kevin Smith's story along the way as he got more famous and was doing more projects and that, you know, possibly it was about him burning bridges and that. We talk about how he just kind of recently rekindled his friendship with Ben Affleck and that. Yeah. Um, so and I think Anderson. he... Yeah. yeah, and like like I said, this uh, Kevin Smith, not like as as great as he was in that. I think he kind of reached his plateau in that, where it was you know a little bit more of the same. I mean, Yoga Hosers, I think, is generally regarded as one of the worst pieces of shit ever released, right? Even the James Bond watch it. Uh, movie, yeah, the animated movie was terrible. Yeah, I mean, like you know, he was productive. I mean, he did all sorts of stuff like podcasts and comic book men and that. You know, it's yeah. like it. I think he probably got a little of that kind of yes bubble going around him for a little bit as gregarious a person as he is and open with like interaction with his fandom and that, you know, being the person on top can be a little self-isolating in that. So I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of burned some of his bridges along the way. And at this point in his life, he's thinking like, you know, what am I leaving behind? And you know, is it just like, you know what? Like you, you saying this is kind of like, it's, it's sparked a thought in my head now that's kind of along those lines, but I don't think it was ever a matter of like him feeling too yes, many around him mm-hmm. um, as it was. He got so caught up in making these uh, art projects that he wanted to do that were so against the grain of what everyone else wanted to see, but he was making so many things that were about him, about what I want to do, about what I want to see. And I'm wondering if that is the parallel there is like, you know, it's it's the parallel to Randall going, I'm going to make the movie about my life, what I want to see. I don't care about all these exterior people around me. This is what I want. And then finally, it got to a point where people just kind of went, you know, like, hey, remember why we loved you to begin with? Yeah, I could see that because, you know, and, and he went like, off and did his uh, his Canadian sort of trilogy. Yeah, um, because that was something he wanted to see. And that's all the stuff he wanted to do. But well we loved about him was his introspectiveness about yeah. everyday people. And that's yeah. really where we are back. It's, in it's the, kind of the, like the third Randall represents his descent into his creationist uh, phase. And Dante represents his fans going like, no man, you mean this, this was about us to begin with. Remember? Mm-hmm. Like this was about connecting with us, not with you doing your own thing. Like, yeah. And really like even those movies, like they had his friends, but I, it was more 
it wasn't it, it didn't feel as genuine as the others i don't know if that if, if that makes sense it, it always it always felt more of like who his friends were at the yeah. time and it, it always you know, felt like a seeing little justin forced. long pop up in all of these movies now and mm-hmm. and along those lines and and seeing like his daughter popping up in all of them yes. now it's like, like it's, it's like an evolution yeah. <laughs> um, yeah we did get a lot of cameos this this movie what did you th- like we did get to see <laughs> an evolution of all the people that he has met and worked with and the people that appreciate him um we got to see melissa benoit benoist um Benoit, Benoist, um, her husband who plays He Man. I don't remember his name, but he was also in the Supergirl uh, show. Chris Wood, I think. Chris Wood, you're right. Uh, uh, we yeah. saw Sarah Michelle Geller. Sarah Michelle Geller. What, um, what is the Sarah Michelle Geller Freddie Prince Jr. connection though? That I didn't get. They were ma- they're married. Yeah. They're no, also- I mean, well, what is their connection? Because almost all of them had a connection to she, Kevin Smith. She's friends with I him don't... for some reason. I, I I remember that they're friends. Is it the new Teen Wolf thing? Maybe. Is he involved in that? I don't know. He's he's had his ha- he's had his hands on yeah. a lot of different pies along the years. So yeah, because I mean, like I I recognize obviously Ethan Suplee, Ralph Garman for yeah. obvious reasons, Ben Affleck for obvious reasons, the Impractical Jokers were all there yep. for obvious reasons. Um, but it was like that. It was the Freddie Prince Jr. and Sam Michelle Gellar. I was just kind of like, I remember them those being, seem like so out of place. They like, talked about well, being friends, and he's been a big yeah. Buffy fan for such a long time. That's yeah. why he got into Veronica Maybe. Mars, um, right? I, I remember. I love that it was Freddie Prince Jr. playing himself, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was, I, I liked uh, can, Bobby. Bobby Moynihan was in there just auditioning for for Silent Bob. <laughs> well, I, I love that too because just Bobby Moynihan used to do the Kevin Smith impression on SNL all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. What What's the Fred Armisen connection? Oh yeah, that too. I don't. Yeah, that's another one. I, maybe yeah. just because Fred Armisen is in everything now. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, so we do get. Um, Oh, where did I want to go with this? Um, we do get this movie. We get, we get, um, and then D- Dante ends up having a heart attack and he, he ends up dying, um, which was a shock to everyone mm. in our theater. Um, yeah. And he, you know, then Randall re edits his movie and shows that the best times of, of his life was with his best friend. Obviously, he was the Luke. Um, what did you think of Dante's ending? A very sad ending, but also I, sort of beautiful. I yeah. at first didn't like it because I really thought the movie was building up to him finally letting Becky go and going back to the world. And then as I rewatch it now, I realized I was like, no, I'm like, this is, this is him basically like going like, despite everything that's going on, he knows what's made him the happiest in life. Yeah. And it was being with Becky and, and he knows that, Randall's going to be fine without him. And those people are going to be just fine without him. Yeah. And he's like, I'm doing this for me. Like that I'm line, getting, I'm getting my third act. He says, I trust the director. Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful line. There's so many good yeah. lines in this and not in a funny way, like just beautiful. Yeah. Written lines. Hawk, what'd you think of this? And I Dante? mean, it was, it was a bit of a surprise, you know, but then again, like, you know, like they talked a lot about the stats of heart round heart attacks at the beginning of the film and that the Widowmaker, cause it claims 80% of people. And obviously, you know, Randall escaped it and that he yeah. was one, one in, he was one in five. Just and, like uh, Kevin Smith. But then there's also four other people in that. So I mean, like, you know, these things kind of happened in threes and that also, I mean, it's like the, you know, he's, he's such a classicist as far as films and that it's like three, you know, Usually, it's the end of a series. Yeah, uh, and you know the finality of death really kind of puts a nail in the coffin. I, I yeah. guess I could say. Uh, but uh, he, he, he did, four, da- uh, Dante's return. 
He did go. He did go on to say that he wanted to revisit the story later on, but I think that might have just been him trying to hide this ending in the press. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I could see them doing the retirement age, like I like we all said earlier. Um, I don't want to see another one without the two of them, though. That's true. I, I, I definitely don't want to see another one if we if it's like Elias and Randall. And if they found if he found some way to work Dante's ghost into it, I trust him to create. I trust him to create something that I will enjoy. But um, it, it takes something but, away if they go that route, you know, that's like it, that's, it, it, and that's why I don't want it to happen. Yeah. I don't. I trust that if he does it again, he's doing it with the right intentions mm-hmm. and will do a good job of it. But I hope he doesn't. Same. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the clerks themselves, Brian O'Haller and, and Jeff Anderson, because they those two carried this movie. Oh, they God. carried the the first movie. The second one had Rosario Dawson a lot in it, and it had um, uh, Elias as well. We'll talk about Elias in a bit. But these two, it was it was the heart of their relationship that really pushed this whole movie and the acting like you never expect like these two guys are just sort of regular people they're not actors um uh, with the drama um but well brian o'halloran came from a theater background he did, so. he did. i like that joke in the in the auditions um but what did you think of their acting because i think it's their best out of anything yeah, i've seen 100%. them in. Let, let me hop that, in on this one real, really oh, yeah, quick go. because the, the 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 sequence right before um, right before uh, Dante has his heart attack, like that that whole sequence where he's finally confronting Randall and well, explaining, yeah, like it was like I was just watching it, like I, I couldn't look away because he was just so, and 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 it almost he he did such a good job of building up, uh, the the energy mm-hmm. in that in that scene that when he did have that heart attack, it 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 felt. Like it, it fit there perfectly. Like it, 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 it within the whole realm of his acting, um, it, it did not come out of nowhere. He, he got to the point where he just hit, hit a point where he couldn't go any further, and he had that heart. But the acting I thought was was amazing. Yeah, Brian O'Halloran. That sequence was 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 so, so good. good, and it was so good. It was so tragic because you could see the heartbreak in in everything he's talking about, and the fact that he wants his best friend to see him for you know being his best friend and he he was his constant companion mm. this whole time and then randall was so like, self-absorbed um this whole time just because of that heart attack that he had even in that sequence like jeff anderson absolutely slay mm-hmm. i watched back this time yeah. this time i watched it today specifically to watch his reactions to what's going on and i'm 100 i'm like I put myself in his position where I've done that, where like I've been selfish about something and someone's called me out about it, but I'm so fucking proud that I don't want to, I don't want to admit that you're right. You know, fuck you. No, you're being an asshole right now. I'm, I'm right to be this way. And you see that conveyed on his face the whole time where he never, even though he's talking about heavy shit, he's talking about, Hey man, my family got taken away from me. And you see him wanting to be like, you're right. You're right. You're right. But no, I have to fucking stand strong in my stance here. You're the asshole, not me. Like, and he conveys that just, just through his eyes. So beautifully. Hawk. Same. Uh, Brian O'Halloran more so than, uh, uh, than Randall or uh, Jeff Anderson. That he he really was like the, the highlight as far as acting in this mm-hmm. film uh it's that 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 speech at the end and that it's another point uh, that i think kevin smith was trying to make is how do i put this 
that the two of them have become so complacent in that friendship and that, you know, and that in their roles within that mm-hmm. friendship where it's like, you know, it's like you're the guy getting, you know, you know you're the producer. You got to do this and this and this. I'm the one writing and directing this movie. Which is sort and of their po- real life relationship too, right? Uh, Dante was the one that got things done and Randall just sort of shot yeah. his mouth around. Yeah. And the, the fact that at their age that he was still kind of, you know, taking that relationship for granted and then all of a sudden getting that big blow. Boom. Yeah. Like your 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 go to guy, you know your best friend, you know, is yeah. is leaving. Yeah, Brian O'Halloran was really a standout, but I will also give it to Jeff Anderson because his speech yeah. during the funeral was heartbreaking, and the sobs in our theater when we were seeing it, and and then when he said, "You're not even supposed to be here today." Be here today. Oh, oh right. right. Even just like the the scene in the hospital when he's describing to him, you know, like. I, you know, the, this movie was always about you. You were yeah. always the star of my movie. Like, yeah. I, even right now, I'm welling up. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't get through that scene without fucking money. And that fucking song. Oh, my God. Yeah. That yeah. song that plays through that. It's just like, it's just, he, God, he's gotten so good as a director now, learning music, how to like really hit you emotionally. The like, music in this movie is amazing. Like, like I right. love it because. The whole the whole vibe of the music. I was thinking about that watching it today. The whole vibe in the early like with all of the the fucking hard ska music that was playing is I thought it was so perfect because it wasn't really that era of the nineties. But when we think back to the nineties now, that music fits perfectly to what we remember. So it was almost like he wasn't playing a soundtrack of the times, but he was playing a soundtrack of his memory of the times. And I'm like right there going like, yeah, I think I listened to this shit back then too. <laughs> it, it really... Yeah, sorry, go go Hawk. The the part that got me was when he was going to play the movie for him and that, and it's like he was in, he basically playing him like the original Clerks movie and that. And it's like, part is like I was like, oh, they're not going to show like, you know, the stuff that they actually shot. You know, they're just going to play Clerks in the frames. Then I realized we're not watching a movie. We're watching yeah, memories happen. Yeah, he's yeah. watching the movie of his life. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. That's heartbreaking. And that, seeing him in that theater alone watching it. And then all of a sudden she popped up beside him and that. that, that oh, was, oh, my God. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Like, yeah. The one thing I didn't know and I feel bad about for being such a big fan of like Clerks and all that is I wondered why Caitlin Bree was in the movie. And I did not realize that the actress did. who played her passed away. Yeah. A couple of years ago, she passed away. from yeah, all... uh, Seven years ago, uh, yeah. 2015. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very sad. Um, the I'm going to go back to the music because the, the first song was Welcome to the Black Parade by um, My Chemical Romance, My Chemical Romance, which is yeah. about death. And it's about um, the experience in the afterlife. It's just sort of what uh, Rosario Do- Becky's character went through and the, and the reflection of life. So he foretold the whole movie with one song right at the beginning, which was already a montage of everything we had known about Clerks. That's mm-hmm. yeah. As an act, like as a film nerd or as a, just a fan of films, like that's that's amazing film work, right? Oh, Kevin Smith. Um, also, like the whole soundtrack was amazing. They had a uh, that Pearl Jam song during the funeral, which kills me. Um, oh, which uh, one was that? Uh, or was it? Is it just? Um, it's just breathe. Oh, okay. Um. I do want to talk about some secondary characters that, that showed up because um, I know we got heavy, but Elias is back from from two. And we at the end of the mm-hmm. movie, we see that Elias ends up becoming the second clerk. He, he takes yeah. 
not takes over Dante's place, but you know, he he gets to be the the Padawan to Randall's uh master. Jedi master, yes. Uh, what did you think of his fall from Christianity? Oh, uh, the into, costume changes into Satan. This, this I'm gonna say is why unfortunately Clerks three is gonna be is, is is probably destined to be my least favorite of the three overall. As much as like I love Willow a lot of work he did, I the secondary characters in this movie just didn't do it for me. Um, Elias wasn't. I I liked I liked some of the Elias stuff. Like I I thought his performance was great. Yeah, I and he really got a good laugh out of me. But I just felt like the the storyline of his character was just uh, it didn't do anything for me and. The whole insertion of him having his own Silent Bob just because Kevin Smith wanted to put his daughter's boyfriend in the movie. Uh, I was like, yeah. Is that no. why he was there? I assume that's that Yeah. The <laughs> blockchain blockchain is uh, he is uh, Harley Quinn Smith's boyfriend who started staying with them right before the pandemic started and then ended up living with them through the entire pandemic. So he's now become like a part of his universe, putting him in movies and TV shows and shit. The first okay. time I saw him act was in Scary Stories, uh, Tell in the Dark, that movie. Yeah. He was good in that movie. Um, Elias, I enjoyed. Um, I think his purpose there was purely for that NFT thing. And I think the NFT thing is going to, since it's already failing in real life, it's, I don't know how that's going to age with this. Yeah. I, I meant, I wanted, to, I meant to look that up today. I bought that sweater. Uh, the uh, the Chulies gum sweater. Yeah, but I want to know if whether or not I can get one of those NFT kites. Oh my God, the Jesus kite. <laughs> um, thoughts on Elias? He was a big part of yeah. too, so it was nice seeing him back. Yeah, he was he was good comic relief. <laughs> in times he was when he was okay comic relief. Not even the really the funniest in that. And I kept kind of kind of put off. It's like okay, was he goth now? Is he like <laughs> you know, is he okay? He's satanist now. Where what is he? At? What is he going yeah. for? Yeah, you know, yeah. he just keeps going. I yeah. I I really like Silent Bob in this movie. I really like they gave him a lot to do, and mm -hmm. I feel like Jay was really funny. But I feel like they he was really phoned in this movie. I was gonna ask what you guys thought about um, the R two D two and C three PO of these films. I feel like he didn't have enough to do, and Silent Bob had uh, just enough to do. I think like, Jay I, I really was liked. the right amount because I think if he was in it too much, it would have yeah. overshadowed Dante and uh, Randall. Yeah. It, I mean, this was you know, it's again, this was like the I, those two characters like took off on their the, like it, literally their own adventures and that you know, yeah. and it got crazy. Like you know, bit gimmicky, but bit crazy it, kevin smith explored his fandom I, through them yeah. um this was them scaled back to those just those two guys and uh, hanging outside the store and that uh, you know the ones you never thought would go anywhere uh, i do um, love i do love the joke of um when they're like hiring each other to be them actors in the movie and he just utters that line he's like i'm not about to make regular people famous and in, in walks jay and silent bob yeah yeah <laughs> i think my favorite jay and silent bob bit and it's also uh a jay muse bit is when they do the dancing sequence and they make randall leave while he's yeah. filming it because that happened in real life he couldn't dance in front of anyone that's true hey so, hey, hey, hey steven i'm recording a podcast right now why are you texting me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um any other final bits, any funny bits you wanna mention that we didn't talk about? Uh, like I think we sort of hit all the funny bits, points. but like 
there, there was a couple things I really wanted, like, because you kind of just touched on one about, like, the callbacks to the behind-the-scenes stuff in the original about, mm-hmm. like, you know, him sending everyone to go inside. There's another one I don't know if anyone noticed, and this is something that was only really brought up on the Clerks X uh, documentary. Okay. Um, the scene of Randall and Veronica in the uh, video store, and Randall has, like, the really dark eyes. That was apparently the first scene that they shot in the entire movie, and they had absolutely no idea how to do makeup for movies. <laughs> so they made him look like this goth guy, and that was the backstory of the original filming. So I loved that when they shot that scene in this, they made him look all super goth in that because of that reason. <laughs> I was like, the attention to detail totally to recreating that. was amazing. <laughs> There's this one, this one scene that's kind of stuck out. It's so, you know, it's like stupid, but like it kind of shows you like you know where they came from and like what's happened now and that clerks you know is like was part of that you know underground we culture and that you know that was you know there in the 90s and that but now it's like legal it's everywhere everybody has a, a, a store but <laughs> you know they still can't get out of their own heads and that so it's like when they have, you know want to sell some weed and that they're still doing it like they did in the 90s you know a little close up and that make it look <laughs> casey all cops watching and that you know I think like even calls it that's how we did this in the 90s son <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so dumb but it's it some reason it made me laugh like crazy <laughs> show us any last things it was just it was just like a fitting end like i was i was really happy to 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 see it it was shocking the um what they decided to do with the characters was was shocking to me but i i like where they went with it it felt right. i like how they closed it off yeah yeah i think so, i think i think that's a good way to end this podcast uh although i could ruin it by saying i love seeing lando for the in real life for the first time from the animated series that was funny um <laughs> oh man what an adventure like i i love kevin smith movies and i, I think I, I i love that he's evolved back i don't know if he evolved back but he he went back to what we loved about him and that was looking at he's, ourselves he's, right? he's smart enough to know when to go back to his grassroots and it's not yeah. him just picking up characters that we love it, it's him telling a story that we appreciate in our moments of of life as well and i think that that's what a good filmmaker does he's like this movie left me wondering you know like after the effect the first movie had on me over time yeah. the effect the second movie had on me over time i can't help but wonder like what effect is this movie in five to ten years yeah. what what kind of ways is this movie going to alter my life because and i know it will like i know that there's going to be something i'll have a heart attack one day and this movie is going to what be what opens my eyes to life after that. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh man, um, man, it's awesome. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll re- revisit Kevin Smith in the future. But I think, I think we're good right now. I think we're yeah. good with with what we're talking about for Clerks. We're awesome. in a good place. We are. Yeah. Like Rosario Dawson and Dante. Oh, oh, sorry about that. Um. <laughs> anyways. Thank you, Hawk. Thank you, Brent. Thank you, Shells, for coming on and talking about Clerks 3 and the whole trilogy in general. Like, it's, it's great. Like, being a Viewsk Universe fan and sharing it with you guys. And I know we've shared our love of it. Um, I hope the people out there on the internet that are watching or listening to us um, get a chance to watch this movie. And maybe it'll spark something and maybe you'll go back and watch all three of them because I think they all are still rewatchable even though there are some jokes that have aged a little bit <laughs> in the first two um yeah so for hawk for brent for shows 
Thank you guys for coming in and listening. We'll see you guys again in a couple weeks. Goodbye. Well, that's it for us this week on Geeks with Kids. If you want to get a hold of us, you can send us an email at podcast at geekswithkids.ca. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekswithkids. Follow us on Twitter at geekswithkidscn. Check out our pics on Instagram at geekswithkids. And you can find all of this good stuff on our website at www.geekswithkids.ca. So if you like what you hear, why don't you hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment. This podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.